Hey folks, it's Judy Ansel from the Heartland Labor Forum in Kansas City. You can find us at kkfi.org. The Heartland Labor Forum is a member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Just go to laborradionetwork.org and you'll find a grid of logos for shows. Click on any one for history, news, politics, or arts, all about the most neglected topic in the corporate media, workers. Check out our show on kkfi.org and all the shows at laborradionetwork.org. Voices Project, a podcast highlighting the real people who make up our union, the bakery, confectionery, tobacco workers, and grain millers. I'm Michelle Ellis, Director of Digital Media. I will bring the work of our union to you through monthly interviews with the BCTGM's hardworking leaders, organizers, and everyday members. This is the BCTGM Voices Project. Loyal listeners may remember an episode this past July when we spoke to a BCTGM local trustee from the Frito-Lay strike, Chantel Mendenhall. Chantel had run a really positive and successful Facebook page for Local 218's strike action and was gracious enough to share with us her tips and lessons learned from growing 2,000 supporters on social media, essentially by saying thank you. As the multi-location Nabisco strike came together on the heels of this, In the early days of August, I decided to call on a representative from each plant location to be a contributor on a Facebook page called Nabisco Workers Unite. On a Zoom call with the workers, we passed on what was successful from Frito-Lay and asked them to emulate it the best they could. What I found as the strike settled in was that the workers were doing the social media, but they were all doing different things. Nabisco was different from Frito-Lay. Furthermore, Nabisco in Portland was different from Nabisco in Chicago, which was different from Richmond, Aurora, and Atlanta. And truthfully, what they were each doing on their very own worked better than anything the international could feed to them in a top-down manner. This strike was its very own grassroots phenomenon. What we decided in the end was the workers got this. The only thing this international needed to do was use our connections to amplify the inspiring work they were doing all on their own. Out of this new strategy, the Nabisco strike lines in Richmond and Portland emerged with exemplary press and social media stories which seemed textbook for another Digital Insight episode. So that is what this recording will be. A strong dose of how they did it mixed with lots of celebration and great pride in the leadership we saw in all five of these locations. I think you're going to love this one and I hope you'll share it with as many people as you can. You can do that by emailing or texting the link to a friend or group of friends or taking a screenshot and sharing on social media. However you get it out there, please tag us where possible so we can see what our friends are saying. We are BCTGM on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
We begin our story in Richmond with Local 358 Financial Secretary and Business Agent Darlene Carpenter. I kind of have said each place has really garnered their own personality through this. For your location, it was these memorable chants that would get stuck in my head and I'd be singing them as I'm going to bed at night. The dance parties in the streets, just very powerful solidarity and tons and tons of social media. So Darlene, talk about the attitude on the line. Last week, you told me that this strike was almost a sigh of relief for your members. It was, you know, the, the way they felt when the pension was taken away back in 2016, all this anger and frustration that had built up in them. When we went out that very first day, I have never, ever seen so many of those employees smiling. It was like it empowered them. And, and they, they were ready for this. This is something they didn't think was going to happen. And when it did happen, I mean, they were joyful. That this was something that they believed in and thought it should have happened a long time ago. And I told them, I said, you know, guys, God put you in a place and this was our time. So this is the most I've ever seen this union down in Richmond come together and have each other's backs. It was great. That's great. Well, like I said, it with all the videos that were coming out of your local union, it really ended up being the musical part of it. Like I said, I'm going to bed singing it and I'm not even in Richmond, but I felt solidarity with you all. I was singing the same songs. It was like this drum beat almost that kept everyone together. You were always playing music while you were marching too. That's correct. You know, the um, the beat of the music kept everybody going. We kind of had a, a party out there actually. You know, we were out there fighting for what we believed in for a fair contract and all, but the music was uplifting. And of course the members coming up with these chants that, that was awesome you know you talk about going to sleep the first night that I went to bed and had my head on the pillow all I could hear in my head was the chance and I actually caught my head bopping back and forth to it I guess one of my favorite chants was Mondelez you make me sick that's why we're not making the roots Mondelez you make me sick Mondelez you make me still hear that chat in my head but but we were out there they were line dancing it was like a block party you know we're very diverse down in richmond so we were playing all types of music and and everyone just it was uplifting to say yeah. the least DC! DC! Yeah, another thing that you mentioned to me when we spoke before was about uh, you and Keith Bragg. Uh, that's the union president there. For local yes. Council. Making sure that you were there to address the concerns of your members. Full transparency. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, from day one, Keith and I were out on that line. We were on that line every single day, except for when we were in negotiations. We were putting in 16 to 18 hour days. We made sure our, our, our strike ran 24-7. So we weren't there just in the daytime. We were there, you know, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning with the members. Um, and we let them know what was going on. You know, if they had questions, we answered them. We were transparent about the entire process, which I think really helped the members. And it, it helped them seeing us out there because we weren't just putting them out there say strike. 
we were you know, 100% vested. This was a movement for all of us to be invested in. And I, I think it made a world of difference to everyone. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, to have the top leaders in the local union that accessible, I think that's great. Going back into the digital aspect of this, you have an app that you use called Mighty Networks. That's correct. So this was separate from what you see on social media, the front-facing parts of it. This was where your members could go ask you questions and you could update them 24-7. Right. And with this at Mighty Networks, when we originally started planning for the strike, this is how we put out information to all our members. The day we went on strike, we put on put out the information out there, but we also made it into a resource center for the members. Um, of course, in September 1st, the insurance was taken away. So we put resources out there so our members knew how to get COBRA. We put out resources for food. Uh, you know, we have a lot of members that have babies, resources for free diapers and formula and stuff like that. And um, then our members started jumping in. So it wasn't just Keith and I and our secretaries at the office, the members started jumping in and putting out resources, you know, your mortgage payments, everything to help someone during the strike. It actually turned out great. Yeah, and I thought it was great. I was getting emails anytime someone posted an update. I did not allow notifications on my phone, but I'm guessing that's a thing you can do if pop yeah. up updates. Yeah, what we would do if it was something that was important that we needed our members to know right away, we would tag it with the high importance and they would go out to everyone's cell phone so they knew to check the site that something was out there for them. That's cool. So Mighty Networks is the name of that app. Is there anything else digital-wise or communications that I missed? Well, we, we did a Facebook page, um, BCTGM Local 358. And we started putting out information and we started posting videos and th the entire campaign about not buying Mexico-made products. So the consumers knew what was going on. And I think that helped grow a lot of support from consumers and the community. And for each person, I, I kept asking them to please put out everything on your private page also, because for every person, if that reaches five and they share it, you know, we, we went really strong with the social media. You spoke earlier about the Twitter and stuff, Instagram. I'm a first-time Twitter and Instagram person, so I was yeah. learning by error there. And but, TikTok? Um, are you doing your own TikTok videos? I was. I was. They're so good. I don't even know how to make a TikTok. I mean, I do, but it takes time. Yeah, it, it did take time because a lot of times I'd come off the line and one at two o'clock in the morning, I would be in here trying to figure out how to do a video. I wanted to put some other stuff out there. I actually enjoyed it. I wouldn't say I'm an expert at it at this point, but I've learned how to do it. Exactly. And, and we've got followers for it now. And because of doing that, we've gotten videos and replies back from Argentina. Australia, wow. Japan. So, I mean, it, it really got out there. So thank goodness yeah. for social media. And good for you for saying, I have no idea what this is, but I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured it out. I, I'm still not an expert, like I said. Yeah. But, um, but I got the stuff out there and I try to tag different people in it to make sure they got it out there. Oh. But, um, and our members started doing that. Yeah, good. Well, that's good because I'm following you and I'm seeing a lot of stuff on your that I haven't been able to see. And I mentioned that Nabisco Workers Unite Facebook page. 
we did continue to maintain it as kind of a home base for the whole campaign. And anytime we were tagged, I would at least try to take it even from your Facebook page, share it on to the Nabisco page. Um, and I thought that was good to see some of the individuals out there sharing things. So, so good job. That's really good. In Portland, Oregon, the Nabisco strike had a different vibe altogether from what was described by Darlene in Richmond. The local union vice president, Mike Burlingham, talked to us about some strategies which emerged in their city, which was steadfast in its support for the members of Local 364. Joining him in this conversation is Graham Trainer, the president of the Oregon AFL-CIO, which was instrumental in galvanizing the labor community around the campaign in that region. Your location was this amazing community organizing and also these little tiny PR stunts, viral moments with like Danny DeVito and the railroad track story. People couldn't get enough of that. So Mike, I know that you had someone stop by Jamie Partridge who kind of took it upon himself to help you with some of this community organizing. So do you just want to give a shout out to him first and talk about some of the things he did? Jamie Partridge was a very good friend of ours uh, on the strike line. And me personally, I did not know him prior to going on strike, but here comes this stranger with a bowl of fruit and offering it to you. And that, that's how he greeted you every single day. We were on the strike line for 40 days and for 40 days, Jamie was there. And he brought with him his circle, which included those that are in uh, DSA and Jobs with Justice. So he was the one who organized the rallies that we had every single Saturday and encouraged people to, to join us on the picket line, to, to just come and pick up a sign and stand next to us and show support. So, you know, that, that's where really a lot of our story here in Portland begins from was you know, from that simple gesture of him showing up to the line to show his support and solidarity. That's awesome. Did I see that he's a retired postal worker? Letter carrier, yep. Letter carrier, I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you for the correction. Okay, so I'm going to go through just a couple of these fun things that happened that ended up just making sure that your story was seen by millions of people. First was Danny DeVito. Where did this start and how in the heck did he become the face of the campaign? You know, it, he uh, had his very viral tweet after Richmond walked out. So at that point, uh, there was three locations, us, Aurora, Colorado, and then Richmond. And I think at that point, uh, we started getting a bit more national attention. I, I don't know how he specifically heard about it, but his out-of-the-blue tweet, we all saw that. You know, we were all rejoicing. We were laughing. We thought it was great because you know, he's been around for such a long time. Young or old, doesn't matter who you are, you've heard of Danny DeVito. And so somebody uh, of his celebrity status uh, bringing that kind of national attention to it, um, you know, it was, it was really yeah. great to see. It was some of the strangest things, too. He posted the tweet and then something happened where Twitter removed his verification Right. And then the story became, why, why is Twitter? It got even bigger after that. <laughs> so Twitter did us a favor there. Yes, exactly. And <laughs> we were like laughing here at the office, like you just never know what it's going to be that catches everybody's attention. 
So then after that, was it Jobs with Justice that came with the projector? Graham, do you know who, who came with that? Well, so while I, Team Oregon AFL-CIO can't take full credit for what became known as the Batlight, um, yeah. the, a member of my team actually um, had, has been wanting to uh, do what the United Steelworkers did during the Biden-Harris campaign um, on Trump Tower uh, in some form or fashion here in Oregon. And so I think it might have been at least in part um, his brainchild and uh, then a partnership between Jay with Jay and, uh, okay. and the Oregon AFL-CIO sort of brought that to fruition. Um, and good news there, we'll I'm sure talk a little bit more about the bat light, but uh, we at the Oregon AFL-CIO will soon have our own bat light to be deployed in other campaigns in the future too. So uh, pretty exciting partnership there that uh, obviously caught the- Yeah, uh, and, and who knew that something like that would just, people love it. That photo from that yeah. night is just, again, completely viral now. On Labor Day. On Labor Day, yes. And right. a couple people commented on our post about it. Well, actually it's like the penguin light because then he played the penguin in one of the Batman movies. He did, yeah. That was a good correction. They created a great hashtag after that as well. I mean, everybody yeah. started saying no contract, no snacks. I mean, it became a chant. It, it went on our sides. And, uh, yeah. you know, with, with the use of social media, it, it was a great way to, you know, using that hashtag, everybody knew it. So yeah. if you had a message you wanted to deliver, you just throw that hashtag on there. Yeah, and my, exactly. my team would want to make sure that I also mentioned that Danny DeVito also retweeted the picture of the Batlight. Just, just a reminder. That's right. Everyone. I, I did see that. That was awesome. Okay, so the railroad tracks. You guys were protesting the tracks in Richmond and in Portland. But there are a couple stories from your location. Tell us what that was about. Sure. It, I would say it was maybe about a week into it. You know, for many of us, this is our first time going on strike. And so there's a bit of a learning curve. So we, we were informed that to halt the delivery of the raw materials that are brought in by train, you actually have to physically be present and have a picket there at the tracks. And so that there was an area by the tracks, which at the time we were told belonged to the city. Um, so we, we occupied that space and uh, we were successful in delaying the delivery of the raw materials to the plant. And uh, that there was that viral tweet that went out after that, uh, which was the um, no contract, no snacks, flour and sugar stays on tracks. Yep. And that, that, that started getting retweeted everywhere. Yeah. Um, so, you know, once again, that, that brought quite a bit of attention to Portland. Yeah, with. I have to give some credit to also the people for Bernie Sanders. I don't know who runs that account, but they have 1.4 million followers on Facebook, like hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram and Twitter. They shared that from BCTGM International's page. And I remember it was a Saturday and I was like, oh, this is about to go viral. But the people for Bernie Sanders just tweeted it and lo and behold, it ended up hundreds of thousands of reshares. So that was really cool. So you also had a couple of rallies. You end them by marching. Was it just one time you did the march through the Fred Meyer grocery store? That was at the end of one of the rallies. And then at the end of another rally, they, they did go back to grocery stores, uh, but they went to uh, all over the area. And uh, we're doing stickers and the leafletting. Yeah. 
Yep, that was huge too. And then we were, of course, seeing the pictures of the stickers here at International. It's good information for the consumers. So tell me about the Portland Thorns. I got to give a lot of credit to President Liz Schuler, the AFL-CIO. Uh, she called me maybe a week into the strike and said, you know, I'm working on this partnership with National Women's Soccer League Players Association, executive director. Uh, we're working to bring them into the fold uh, to fully affiliate them. And I'd like to figure out a way to bring them um, into the mix of this strike. They want to show solidarity to the workers on strike. And what better place than her home state and uh, this, uh, the city yeah. of Portland. One thing led to another, we got connected with uh, the ED of the Players Association um, and we're able to just really harness this opportunity, this moment, just on a few days notice uh, to bring players who are bargaining their very first contract um, to the strike line to show solidarity. And it just happened to be, I think the day of the TA, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, the week that the National Women's Soccer League Players Association affiliated on, on that Friday uh, with the AFL-CIOs. And it was a really inspirational, I think, moment for the workers um, who got to see um, some, you know, hometown stars. Uh, to say Portland is a soccer city is an understatement. And so okay. you know, Portland loves its thorns, Portland loves its timbers, and, um, and uh, that fandom really, um, you know, uh, was a nice boost on, that, on the picket line that morning. Awesome. Okay, Mike, well, I know that you are the administrator on the local 364 Facebook page, mm -hmm. but you also have a private group where your members were able to be open with one another, communicate what was going on 24 hours a day. How were you using each of these platforms differently to get you through the strike? Both were very useful tools for us. While Twitter was great for really getting a broad audience, uh, Facebook is a very user-friendly uh, platform that a lot of us use, especially with a, a private Facebook page uh, specific to here in Portland, that that is the way that we can communicate to all of us uh, at once. Uh, so, you know, it was great for bringing awareness of things that were happening on the strike line, communicate certain ideas that people were having or, um, Know, certain strategies, th things that we want to do. And it's a good place for people like you, the officers, to go in there and answer questions. I saw you doing that a couple of times. But the, the public one was great for getting our, our news articles out and as, also as a way for people to get in contact with us, which um, we, we have um, three admins on that page, which is good because yeah. we were getting a lot of messages coming in saying how can we help you know we we had three people that were that were able to round the clock basically be able to get back to those people and uh we, we were able to get a lot of support just through that karina christensen is the pr and communications director here at the international union and the point person for all the press calls that came through our office she was able to give us really great insight on how international statements were posted for reference while all requests for interviews were filtered back to the workers so they could continue to control their own story within the press. We saw press coverage on this strike. The big guys, New York Times, Chicago Tribune, Huffington Post, CNN, CBS. Oh, I was reached out for the MSNBC nighttime talk show. It was fast and furious. I was fielding calls all through the day and sometimes night. And what's really impressive is that we drove our own media. There was no one else doing this except for us. And at the very beginning of the strike, 
I was invited to address the weekly call of the Nabisco locals, and I asked for everyone to have a immediate press contact in place so that when this did go down, however it was going to go down, we were prepared and ready. There were talking points, but what we found is that it took on its own kind of life, and each worker had a story to tell. And as soon as the media were able to speak to some of the workers, the more and more they wanted. So we'd have our, our statements up here from President Shelton, but what they wanted were the actual workers on the line. They didn't want to hear from me. You know, if they wanted a quote from President Shelton, they, they took that from our site, which we shared wide and, and open, but the direct contact was nonstop. We were able to amplify the words of the workers through the press. And a lot of times we don't see that. This, this was a turning of tides for, for American workers who worked through the pandemic who weren't recognized or thanked for what they had. And this really resonated with America. They really wanted to hear from the workers. So that's the big takeaway from the communication standpoint, I think. We wanna make sure that we give credit to the national AFL-CIO. Oh, in a minute, I'm gonna have Karina just kind of go through all the ways that they supported us. But really quick, that day, Darlene, that Liz Schuler showed up at the strike. I'm just curious to know where everybody was before that and what it really meant to them. That was great. You know, we all knew that she was coming. We had just had a major storm in Richmond. So our tents were torn down. The whole site looked like a homeless shelter. So about an hour before she got there, everything let up, the sun came back out and we were scrambling. But we got our site back together and we started, you know, our strike again. And then we looked and here comes Liz up. And yeah. she's coming with President Shelton. The excitement of it was great. I personally got to speak with her. We did a selfie together. I and love we that were, picture. Yeah, yeah. You know, I congratulated her on her position and being the first woman ever. And she could actually do the same for me since I'm the first woman to take the business agent and all down here in Richmond. She gave her speech. And she's really great about that. She got everyone engaged in it. She's a, a really good speaker. But she, you know, she was genuine. Yeah. So that that makes a, a big difference when people can tell that you know, your passion comes from you. And and Liz, you know, she got out there, she walked the line with us. She was just like one of us out there. The people loved it. It was great. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Karina, do you want to expand a little bit on how that came together? Well, I'll just say, Darlene, that I, I spent three days down with you guys in Richmond, and I had the best time. The solidarity down there is contagious. The support is overwhelming. You had cars coming along that busy highway, dropping off stuff in the middle. So I felt like when Liz came down there, she did. She stopped and talked to every worker. It was about three hours, two and a half, three hours that they were down there. And, you know, people were excited. They were, they were happy to be recognized. And, you know, this, a leader of America's labor was there. And it was really a phenomenal experience. On my end, the AFL-CIO's communications teams were out of this world. Um, even that morning, very early in the morning, I was coordinating with her staff to arrange video. And she had a social media person come down there. And we'd coordinate, you know, some of what was put out live on the spot there. And it goes beyond that. I addressed the communication director's meetings a couple of times where we asked for everyone's support. And that really drummed up a lot of online action. Michelle 
and I came up with, uh, you know, she did the social shares about how to visit strike lines. And then I sent that out through emails and the AFL CIO jumped on that and then sent that out. So that was going out to 75,000 people um, just around each location, you know. So it was a really well-coordinated effect and a lot of support, a lot of support from President Schuler all down to people with my position and that just made the message um, carry louder and broader than ever before. Graham, I wanna give you an opportunity to tell us anything that I've missed, ways that the State Federation really helped the workers. Absolutely, it's a treat to, to have this conversation. You know, I've always been a believer uh, that state federations like ours here in Oregon um, really must be um, laser focused on adding value to affiliates. And so when I think about an affiliate gearing up to go on a strike, there are obviously many ways that a state federation is well suited to add value to, to that fight. Uh, obviously, there was a community-led effort, um, a labor-led effort. There were lots of partners that were really pulling in the same direction to make um, these workers feel um, you know, empowered to make sure that their spirits were as high as possible through a really difficult 40 days. Another way that I think about state feds being well-suited to support workers in these types of situations are using the tools and the resources of our state federation to directly support the strike. Um, I've got about 10 folks on my staff, talented organizers and uh, labor, labor activists. And so uh, direct staff engagement uh, for my team uh, with the campaign is always something we think about harnessing and utilizing, maximizing, of course, our political and community relationship. We uh, were asked uh, early on by uh, BCTGM leadership to reach out to our congressional uh, representatives, both our two U.S. senators and our uh, members of Congress, with a goal of encouraging them to send a letter and be publicly supportive uh, of the campaign, send a letter to the CEO of Mondelez. And we were able to get that um, you know, moving within just a couple of days. And so we were proud to uh, be a part of that. Um, you know, so when we learned about this strike, we really um, just uh, had a staff brainstorming session about what we could do to support these workers. And, um, you know, anytime a group of workers, and Mike knows this firsthand, any worker that's gone on strike knows this first, firsthand, it's obviously an act of courage, an act of commitment to a greater cause. And, and it can be really hard on workers and their families. 40 days without a paycheck is rough. But the beauty of the Oregon Labor Movement is that we were cohesive, we were uh, energized, and we were uh, inspired to, to really do everything in our power to elevate the profile of uh, both the worker struggle, but also pressure on the company uh, to help give uh, pressure to the bargaining team at the, at the table. So uh, again, it was just an honor to be a part of this, a small part of this, uh, this effort, and, uh, and look forward to future opportunities to obviously support workers, um, both at uh, the BCTGM locals here in Oregon and, um, and all of our affiliates. Well, you had a really great op-ed in the Northwest Labor Press last week called This Strike is So Much Bigger Than One Bakery. I meant to print out the larger quote, but there was one paragraph in there that ended with something like, you start to see something much bigger going on in our community. This is after you went through a couple of the different worker fights and there in Portland. Mm -hmm. Expand on that a little bit, what you mean by that. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, you know, there's a lot of interesting and exciting stuff happening in our economy. We have, uh, as we speak, on the heels of the BCTGM strike, we have a nationwide strike vote that uh, workers in the film industry, members of the IATSE, 
are taking. Uh, I'm speaking at a rally actually this evening for the Kaiser workers that are gearing up to take a strike vote uh, up and down the West Coast, 24,000 workers, uh, of which about 5,000 are here in Oregon. Uh, we see the painter strike uh, earlier this summer. We see um, John Deere workers manufacturing uh, farm equipment, uh, manufacturing workers in uh, the Midwest just two weeks ago took a strike vote, about 10,000 of them. Um, and so, you know, I, I think about that um, in a couple different ways. One, you know, workers have just are still going through a global pandemic. It's been incredibly dangerous for frontline and essential workers. Uh, they've risked their own lives and the lives of their families as they clock in to keep their companies and their organizations profitable. And despite those challenges, workers have still been willing to fight backwards. And so, you know, I connect those dots with a couple other things too. The fact that uh, our uh, union favorability numbers are at the highest they've been in over 50 years. So 68% of workers in the Gallup poll just a couple of weeks ago um, support unions and 77% of young people support unions. And you overlay that with the 60 million workers who say that they would join a union today if they had the chance. You really see, I think, a recipe uh, for a transformational moment for the labor movement um, where workers have been through a lot. They're still willing to fight back and strike activity is at a relatively historic level. So I really believe that uh, we're on the cusp of uh, a transformational moment for the labor movement. If we're willing to do the hard work of organizing new workers, making sure that we're, a, uh, you know, we have a, an open door as a movement and we're willing to give any worker who wants to achieve that better life that they've dreamed of, um, we need to welcome them with open arms. And yeah, it's definitely a huge opportunity right now. Well, Darlene, I've talked to workers in a couple of the different locations and listened to podcast interviews with them. And I keep hearing what a transformative experience this has been. What have you learned from going through this? Wow, <laughs> a lot. Um, I guess, as you know, Keith and I both, both and most of the people here in Richmond, this is the first strike ever for any of us. And Keith and I had just taken office in June so it's just like we walked into a hornet's nest and now we're preparing for a strike. Um, I learned a lot as far as how to set up a strike. Our people, you know, what they expect during the strike, uh, the solidarity, of course. And, and we've actually been asked, you know, a couple of times now by different organizations, the teachers groups and stuff and unions, to speak at their stuff now about how how to set up a strike and we're like wait a minute I wouldn't say I'm an expert at it but you know we went uh, through a lot of bumps and you know we got through it but now we've learned that if we ever are going to go in this direction again you know we're going to make sure we have strike funds set up we'll, we'll be a whole lot more organized and the people everyone will be in a better position just to piggyback real quick off of what Corinne was saying earlier the support from our community has been overwhelming. I mean, the way they stopped and just brought stuff to us, the honking of the horns, you know, you could be up there and maybe we were short on people one day or something and your spirits were down, but just to hear those horns beep. So, you know, shout outs to everyone for everything that they did for us, all the local unions, um, Nova, you know, Northern Virginia people. I got to give a shout out to Virginia Diamond. She, she's been awesome. Um, but yeah, we, I think we're in a better position if we ever do this again. Hopefully we won't have to, but it was definitely a learning experience. 
also, will you tell everybody what's going on now that you're back at work? I think this is phenomenal too. It's different now. Yeah, it is different now. Um, you know, when you go to work and you've got three different shifts, you might know people just by faces and you might know the names and say hi. This strike has brought the people together. They actually had a chance to sit out there on those lines and walk the lines and talk to each other. So now they are on a personal basis. They become friends. They found out, you know, what's going on in this person's life. And that is carried back into the building. Our union is stronger than it's ever been. The solidarity among the workers is there. They went back into the plant on uh, last Wednesday and, you know, th they've got each other's backs. That's what a union's supposed to be about. So the strike didn't just get us the win for what we were fighting for. It brought the union together and the members naturally have gotten to know each other's story and families. So it, it was a good thing. It was a really good thing. For many of us, like I said earlier, that this is the first time going out on strike. And so that there's a lot of unknown about what kind of challenges you're going to be facing. That there's the unknown of how long could something like this last? I mean, is it going to be um, one day, two days, or could it go into months? As the uh, Alabama coal miners have known uh, that they've been on strike, I believe it's since last April. So it's been ongoing for quite a long time for them. That's the harsh reality of it. But what, what I learned is that, that there's a lot of people who care about the labor movement and they are smart enough to, to know what, what's going on and corporations exploiting their workers you know, coming off of a year, like in the snack food industry, as profitable as Mondelez was during a pandemic to turn around and tell the workers, you need to accept concessions so we can make more money. Uh, that's just unacceptable. And it's almost the same message that the Kaiser workers are saying as well. So, um, you know, th there's a lot of people that we all have the same struggles, the same challenges. And so my, my message to, to anybody out there is you, you have support. People care about you and they're going to help see you through it. So yesterday, our PR and communications director, Karina Christensen, talked about the importance of having people on the ground, workers that are going to be able to talk to reporters, that are going to be able to accept those interviews. And I know that you were available basically 24-7. I mean, I think I saw your name in most articles that I read. And I, and I heard you on a ton of uh, videos on the internet, podcasts, radio shows. So I want to give you a shout out for just being available to do that at the drop of a hat. That was really great. Thank you very much. Appreciate of course. That. Yeah. And also Cameron Taylor, the business agent for your local union. He was really helpful with us putting those feelers out, sending us the people that we needed when we needed them. He's not on social media, wasn't involved in a lot of the front facing part of it, but he was super helpful there on the ground. So thank you, Mike, for that. And thank you, Graham, for taking the time to talk with us today and be on here. Uh, it, was a, it was a proud thing for our team. And Portland's clearly a union town. Oregon's clearly a, a union state. And when a group of workers, uh, a couple hundred workers like uh, Mike and his colleagues, you know, are in a struggle, uh, the beauty is that 
the 300,000 working people of the labor movement here in Oregon have their back. And obviously nationally that, uh, that plays out as well. Well, Darlene, I think I speak on behalf of our international officers when I say they're just so proud of you. Really good job. I don't have anything else to ask you. Is there anything you want to add before we wrap up? Just I wanted to thank everyone for all the support that we've had. It meant the world to us. So thank you. I'm going to have you do this, Mike, lead us out because we're not done boycotting Nabisco altogether. How to continue supporting Nabisco workers until your next contract. Absolutely. We're back to work. So we're, we're saying you can buy your Nabisco snacks once again, but we are still telling people, check the label. Big reason for that. This year, they closed two of our bakeries, and there's only one place for that production to be made up, and they're sending all that work down to Mexico. You know, we've always said we, we, we've never had problems with Mexican workers having jobs. It's the fact that the company is exploiting their work, and that's what we want to put an end to. We are asking everybody, please support U.S. jobs, and you can do that by checking the label on the back of your Nabisco products. It'll tell you if it's made outside of the country. If you don't see made in Canada or made in Mexico, then you know it was made right here in the United States.
If you found this content valuable, please consider sharing it on your own social media pages and be sure to tag us. We are BCTGM on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more on the activities of the BCTGM, go to bctgm.org.